Welcome to the Tech Data World podcast, the independent voice in aerospace, defense, and space technical information, covering all the news, reviews, gossip, opinion, software, standards, and specifications in the information production and deployment field. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special TDW podcast. Why is it special, you may ask? Well, firstly, let me welcome you wherever you're listening to us, whether that's Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, TDW app, or indeed if you're watching me on YouTube. Thank you very much for tuning in. And... um, Yeah, this week, unless you have been hiding underneath a rock or if you have been avoiding LinkedIn and all of the conversations that have started on LinkedIn, the big news out of the community this week, S1000D issue 5.0 has been formally released. And um, what I would say is that if you haven't seen the announcement and you're on their, uh, their distribution, check your spam folder. That's where mine was sat for a day. And um, it wasn't until actually Claire said to me that she'd spotted something on LinkedIn that 5.0 had been released. So, yeah, it turns out that our spam assassin actually was blocking the S1000D stuff coming through. So if you want to follow along on this particular podcast and what I'm talking about and um, head on over to the formal website, s1000d.org. Download the uh, the latest issue 5.0 package. You have to accept their terms and conditions, that kind of stuff. Download it. I'm using the email cover that came through and also looking at the highlights page. Now, what I have done as well is very briefly, I put the new version of S1000D on the uh, on one screen and I've put the um, the older version, the older version, the, the previous version of S1000D on the other screen and done a comparison and, and had a look at making sure the changes are changes. And um, so it's been released, very exciting. And I'm sure that the whole community is jumping up and down and we're all gagging to know what's inside. So let's have a look at some of the stuff that they have put inside and some of my thoughts, my feelings, my understanding of what it is the spec is trying to achieve. Again, I've not gone deep i've looked at what the spec is saying i've looked at what the release notes are saying and um, kind of applied some knowledge and thought processes to it and come up with the ingledew version of what i think the spec is trying to achieve here and i think actually some of the changes are pretty interesting pretty decent so we'll have a look at those in uh, in detail again download s1000d.org follow along And uh, those of you who are TDIQ subscribers, I will be doing, yes, I will be doing a deeper look at what is in 5.0 and the changes between the previous version of S1000D, how we can uh, work with them and how we can maximize these changes and these benefits. So unlike previous versions, I would just like to say, I think this is an oversight. The S1000D PDF is actually unlocked. Normally they're always password locked. This one isn't. And um, so I think that's probably an oversight. I think the moment that you hear this, you'll probably go and change it. 
but um, you know, for those of us that like to extract content from the specification and expand on it, that is uh, that is unlocked right now. So quickly. So anyway, I'm sure that there'll be lots of vendors out there right now who are very frantically trying to make sure that their software is 5.0 supporting. And I'm sure that the with the S1000D user forum coming up in a few weeks, uh, they will be the ones waving the big banner that we are 5.0 compliant, etc., etc. I will be blown away if there isn't at least three or four vendors there saying they are 5.0 compliant. I'll bet this pen, this pen is yours if there's nobody there com- uh, shouting about compliance to 5.0. So um, in any case, there are some changes in the spec uh, that we need to be aware of. And I'm going to go through basically what they've said in the release notes and added a little bit of verbiage myself to what I think is going on. So there's some been, been some business rules changes. They've, they've uh, introduced the ability for us to be able to add links within the BR doc to um, things like business rules decisions. And you can see why that makes a tremendous amount of sense. Usability and uh, going forward management of things like BR docs and our decisions. So you can see why they've done that. They're also saying that they've added clearer language to some of the BRDPs and some of the things that we need to be doing. They're also saying that they've updated some of the links. There was lots of links broken. One thing that's jumping off the page at me about this version of the spec is that it looks like it's gone through a tidy up phase. It looks like they've done, made lots of editorial changes and grammatical changes. And um, yeah, you'll notice that when you read the change highlights yourself that there's lots of that kind of stuff going on but i just want to say that this actually caused us a bit of bile i was doing a business rules training course recently and a lot of the links were broken and we actually had to go back and manumatically find the destination of where we were going and um, so they've done that they've changed some of the definitions as well within s1000d certainly around uh, business rules exchange and business rules we'll have a look at those uh, as we move through the Ingledew highlights here of what's happened in issue 5.0. They are, there have been multiple schema changes or fixes, and uh, I have not gone into those in depth. I'm sure that the vendor community is looking at that right now and how they are going to work. In the release notes, they have actually listed all of the schemas that have been affected. There's actually a, an area of the spec as well that you can go and have a look at where these have been changed and where these have been fixed but over the next few weeks we will indeed be going through each of these schemas certainly for the tdiq subscribers we'll go and have a look at where these areas have materially affected the schemas and maybe how that's going to affect us going forward in adopting the new version of spec So let's have a look at some of the changes. Now, the first thing you will notice when you open the spec and you just go and have a navigate through it, change bars to the hilt. We have change bars everywhere. And um, predominantly around something control authority references. They now have a new control authority group. And this is all about regulatory information. So information that may have to appear in our content, in our manuals, in our modules that 
has been pre-approved by some higher authority somewhere. The verbiage has been agreed. It's not allowed to be changed. Uh, those kind of things. Very big in the aerospace sector. Very big in the nuclear sector. You need to have this regulatory uh, conformance, if you like. And what they've done is they've given us the ability pretty much on almost absolutely every part of the spec we can have what is known as a controlled authorities reference. Now, um, what I have noticed from that is that there are a couple of special rules. Just on my early look at the spec, there are a special, some special rules where you're not allowed or you don't use um, this controlled authority reference. And um, I think off the top of my head, what I read was, I think it was around lists and front matter, I think. But um, again, we'll, we'll go a little bit more in um, in detail on that so but this is quite interesting so because s1000d has now actually got a predefined list of control uh, authority uh, types so they've been added to the spec obviously they will now be in the default brex i haven't verified i'm assuming that that's where they're going to be but i'll, I'll take a look and uh, you can add your own definitions if you need as you can with most things again do take a look at that. They have made some changes to the spec, which has actually had a knock-on effect to table numbering and that kind of stuff. So go and have a look at that. So um, I can see how this can be enforced now from an S1000D software vendor perspective if if they're clever. If you, th if you think about the, the job that this is trying to achieve and what it's trying to do and how we're trying to stop our authors from changing certain pieces of content, we can actually enforce that if we think about it from a clever perspective. Anyway, moving on to the next piece, SCORM. I'd be really interested to hear if anybody out there is actually using SCORM on an industrial level within an S1000D environment, okay? If you are, let's sit and have a chat at the S1000D user forum because Every time I mention it, people glaze over. People are not interested. It, they're still shying away from SCORM content. TDW ourselves, we use SCORM, not in an S1000D context. We have some learning management software that we use that can communicate with external tools that we can actually exchange SCORM content. And it works pretty well. Um, I know that pretty much all of the software vendors support SCORM the ability to work with SCORM. I get that. But I'm the, every time I mention it on a training course and I have to explain a great deal what SCORM is and why it works in a specific way, uh, people just, people pretty much just cloud up. They don't, actually don't care. But anyway, what have they changed? So they, they're saying that they've actually changed the ability to uh, link between SCORM content package modules so they can actually reference each other. And um, so, but I'd be really interested to know if you guys are actually using it in anger. Do you plan to use it? Is it because you don't understand it? Is it because you don't know what it is? Uh, let me know. I'd really be, really genuinely be interested. This one, I really like the sound of the information name variant. And you can think straight away why this makes tremendous sense. And uh, so, Firstly, kudos to anybody who came up with this idea and put the change request into the S1000D community. Now, if the 
if the actual change request number is to go by, looks like that this was actually submitted back in 2011 or something like that. I, I'm guessing I can neither confirm nor deny, uh, but it actually makes sense. So what we're saying now is that the data module titles, we can have what is known as an information name variant. So if we're using the information code variant within our data module codes, we can now have a title variant to resemble what that information code variant is. And uh, any software yet that's fully supporting it. But we will have to, um, from a software vendor perspective, you guys are going to have to manage this for us and you're going to have to help us when it comes to publishing and uh, how you can control that content for us. Um, information codes have been added to. Now this, for those of you, I know that a lot of you have done my, my S1000D training courses and we talk about the areas of the spec which are reserved to give the spec breathing room to expand and to add to and those kind of things. This is a good example of where that has happened. So on our training courses, we talk a lot about the areas that you shouldn't use as a project and focus on the areas that you're allowed to customize and you're allowed to play with. So they've added two new information codes. 025, 026 for export control and regulatory policy. This is a good example of where S1000D has said, okay, this is a good thing that we need to be able to have this as a defined information code. Let's drop it in. And they know that it's not going to disturb unless you've been using it. It's not going to disrupt or disturb anybody's project definitions that are in existence already. So, so they have changed a couple of information codes too. And um, so the 022 has gone from business rules to business rules exchange. We all know the 022 is, is essentially for the Brex module. And um, the 024 has gone from business rules document to just business rules. Uh, they have added a 235 for flush procedures. I was actually blown away that that wasn't there. You know, uh, we've been flushing things for years. And um, I was actually surprised it wasn't there. Now, one of the kind of eyebrow raising moments for me was when I read the reasoning behind why information code 168 has changed from mass and balance to mass and balance. Now you did hear that correctly. The first mass and balance was mass ampersand balance and the second one is mass and balance. They've actually removed the ability to use ampersand and you just use the word and. And there's lots of ands in this statement there and there are reasons for that and I'm going to talk about that shortly but so they've now removed the ampersand from that particular information code and spelled it out to and which is uh, which is fine if that's what makes you happy but the reasoning behind it is what actually has me raising my eyebrows so what they're saying is, is that in data module titles, they've removed the ability or they've said that we must not use ampersand less than sign or greater than sign. And believe it or not, two o'clock this morning, I was lying in bed thinking about this going, so what's the genesis? What's the thoughts behind this? Why? Because we've been doing that for a long time and providing we're following correct XML structures 
and we are uh, creating our content in the way that you know is XML compliant this shouldn't be a problem and so but what they're saying now is that it looks like they they are bending or changing the specification to either accommodate for bad XML structures and there's a, I think there's a reason behind that and or bad software is my suspicion or badly designed software so let's look at let's break that down a little bit so in the in the data model titles we might want to use an ampersand and I know a client that is working specifically in the software sector where they're using lots of um, chevrons in their data model titles and but we, we set up a rule a writing rule that they had to be identified correctly in the XML which is what you would expect and it looks like that from a process perspective if you think about this if you go back to the DMRL creation phase a lot of us will create DMRLs in something like an Excel spreadsheet and if we used an ampersand or if we used a uh, less than greater than sign we would just type it in and then I think what's happening and this is me just guessing and working through the process in the back of my mind is that when we go to import that DMRL from a spreadsheet that the software or some software because I know that there's some good software out there that does actually transpose that textual ampersand or the the chevrons into the correct XML tagging for those ISO characters or for those characters so my suspicion here is they're actually now saying that they're going to remove the ability for us to be able to work with these characters in the title elements specifically because they are concerned that certain business rules checking tools may become confused or may miss things or so um, yeah that's my that's my two penneth on that one it looks to me like it's either trying to accommodate the fact that there are poor XML structures making it into our CSDB or there is a mixture of bad software as well which is not able to differentiate so um, but I do know that there are some good software tools out there that are more than happy to handle this and I know of one of my specific customers who is using lots of these chevrons because they're in to they're in an IT environment where they're using lots of these chevrons um, in the data module titles so how are we going to handle that we're going to have to come up with a strategy or we're just going to have to ignore what S1000D says, which isn't always a good thing, right? So there have been some SNS updates as well. I'm going to go into those in more detail on a tutorial on TDIQ. For TDIQ subscribers, we'll have a look at which SNS definitions have been changed. Not a tremendous amount. There are some changes, not huge, uh, but some that we certainly need to be aware of. And as you would expect, there are multiple glossary changes and updates that accommodate the, the specification. So those are the kind of things that I've picked out on my first glance of the changes to S1000D and how I think they're going to impact our users and how they're going to impact our ability to migrate from an older version to a newer version of S1000D. Has it actually addressed a lot of the questions that came up in Seville? My suspicion is not. 
and I think that a lot of people are now well down their road of doing their own thing, especially around augmented reality, virtual reality, uh, that kind of stuff. I do believe that there's lots of people doing their own guidance, their own rules, their own way of doing things uh, because they are desperate to adopt I'm supporting a client right now who's looking at augmented reality and taking S1000D procedures and putting them together with augmented reality. Um, you know, you can argue that these are just XML structures and we can just pull them into whatever environment we want to pull them into, okay? And they all have metadata and they all have the ability to have IDs and all that kind of stuff. So we can actually get it to do stuff anyway. So there's no real guidance in there in terms of how we can adopt or what we should be doing. I think, for me, there are some other changes in the technical information world that other sectors and other industries are already driving down. They're already going down and going in a big way. And if you look outside of the S1000D community, there are other software vendors that don't play in our field, don't play in this market, that are doing some very, very clever stuff indeed with their technical content. And... Um, you know, I, I look at that and I think you know, one day that's going to come into S1000D or somebody's going to do their own thing anyway. So um, so that's it. That's issue 5.0. What would uh, what what are your highlights? Let me know. Get in touch. What is it? What are your lowlights? What is it that you were hoping to see in 5.0 that you didn't see in 5.0? Again, that's my first kind of glance at the changes. I'm going to dive deeper over the next few weeks have a look at some of these material changes and how they are going to affect our existing structures or how we have to change the way that we produce content going forward, define our content going forward. So is it groundbreaking? I don't think so. There are some nice changes in there. I, you know, I definitely like some of those, those little changes that are in there. Uh, but let me know what you think. If you're at the S1000D user forum, come and say hello. Give me your card. I'll give you a copy of the magazine or I'll add you to the distribution. If you have some thoughts around 5.0 or you want to send me your comments, your thoughts, your suggestions, uh, I'd be more than happy to have a conversation with you. Let me know if you're using SCORM. I really want to know if somebody out there is using SCORM in a real industrial strength. Anyway, I'm Michael Ingledew. I'm all about making you successful with your technical documentation, technical information strategies. Until the next time, speak soon. Thank you for listening to the TDW podcast. Remember, you can keep your tech data skills current and relevant with a full TDIQ subscription. Visit www.techdataworld.com for more details. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube for your next Tech Data World update. Until next time. Bye. Bye.